Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. It's Mr. Anchor. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew. Yeah. Check. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy, sports, and politics crew. Yeah, come on. Fantasy, sports, and politics crew. Yeah. Fantasy Sports and Politics Crew. Uh. Fantasy Sports and Politics Crew. Yeah, lock on. Everybody and welcome once again. I am JT, aka the Master, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host Chef, the Joker, my brother from another mother. And this is Thursday, 8 p.m. And this is the FSP Crew Show. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. I say that again. 347-637-3220 is the place to be. From I thought to Jeff, and quite naturally me. We got a great show in store for you today. We got a great show in store for you today. And people, for you people that love the game, that's the 100-yard game that costs six points for a touchdown. If you like extra points, you're given there and throw an extra point in there. Football, I'm saying it again, football is back. And we're going to talk about that football. All right. First game tonight, 8 p.m. It's, it's starting as we speak. The Arizona Cardinals versus the uh, Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And it's the Hall of Fame game. So what better way to talk about the first football game and talk about the 2017 Hall of Fame class? But before we get into all that, I haven't talked to my man in, in a few weeks because we've been uh, very undisposed, let me put it that way. Uh, and uh, we're, we're here alive and in color, and we're going to try our damn best to be here every single week in this football season because this is my time of year and also the, my esteemed co-host, like I said, the brother from another mother, my fellow Jersey guy, Jeff the Joker. What's up, my man? How you feel? Hey, Jerry. Wow, you're uh, bringing a lot of energy to the show tonight. Let's let's uh, get it rolling. Hey, man, I'm telling you, this is my time of year. I love football. And when they start the preseason, come September, I figure it was September 8th or whatever day it is, 5th or whatever day the first game starts, starts fantasy football. And if it's starting fantasy football, man, it is my time of year. Because you, as you know, you've been with me for a long time. We've been um, uh, um, 
talking like this for a long time, you know uh, I'm a diehard fantasy football fan and a diehard football fan, and I'm very excited. Uh, I got another guy. He came in late last week, um, and then he said, well, you know what? I'm not coming late to the party next week. I'm coming on time, and I bring in my man Nas. What's up, my man? How you feel? Hey, what up, man? Uh, I guess for me this is on time. Still late, but kind of on time, like. No, no, no. You're on time, man. You're on time. <laughs> We're we, we only uh, uh, five minutes into the show. You are on time. What's up, my man? How's, how's, how's that uh, uh, dirty, dirty feet? Uh, feet um, excuse me. How's that dirty, dirty? I'm so excited I can't talk. How's that dirty, dirty South talking to you, man? Oh, it's all good, man. Hey, man, they told you, may you live in interesting times. And we are in some of the most interesting times this country has ever seen. So, hey, man, yep. that's, a, that's yep. one up for all of us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, this is football, Jeff and Nas. This is football time for me and a lot of other people, including, I think, you two guys. Uh, Jeff's a Giant fan. Nas is a, I think, I do believe a Falcon fan, if I'm not mistaken, uh, even though um, he's at times, and I, and I guess last year he wasn't too happy with him, uh, the result in the Super Bowl. But he's still a diehard fan, and I happen to be a Texas fan, so – uh, we're in NF- NFC, uh, AFC. Uh, we, well, we hit the spectrum. Let me put it that way: East, South, and, and partially West. Anyway, let's talk about the Pro Football Hall of Fame class because I have some issues. I have at least one issue of a guy that I didn't think should be a first ballot, but I'm not going to get to him yet. I'm not even going to save him for last. I'm going to bring him in the mix a little bit in in there. But I'm going to go with the an unexpected guy that I didn't think he would get in. Um, I was surprised that he got got in. He did play for the Atlanta Falcons, so it's pretty ironic that Nas is on a show and we can talk about this guy. He happens to be a kicker, and, and it's a very small class of kickers. There's only one punter in, and uh, there's a very small class of kickers that are in here. I'm talking about Martin Anderson, who played for the New Orleans Saints for 12 years, who played for the um, uh, Atlanta Falcons, uh, uh, and also the New York Giants, and also for the Kansas City Chiefs, and also, also for the Minnesota Vikings. 25 seasons, 382 uh, uh, games. That's a lot of games and a lot of kicking. A fourth round pick in the a fourth round pick in the 1982 draft, and uh, he happens to be getting into the Hall of Fame um, as we as we uh, uh, get toward the, the weekend. I think the the uh, jacket ceremony is tomorrow, and the induction ceremony is on Saturday. Since he was a former, and I could I could pick either one of you because he was a Giant, he was a Saint. I mean, he was a, a Falcons. I'll go with uh, the South first and uh, talk to me about Morton Anderson getting inducted and how you feel Morton Anderson as a kicker over some other guys that in other skill positions jumping into the Hall of Fame this year. Talk to me, Nas. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if, if kickers are going to be eligible and, and people think kickers should have a chance to be in, then, I mean, Morton should be in. I wouldn't disagree with that part. But since they've created this tiered system where they say first ballot or after that, then, okay, you can get in. Where we've created that, that kind of narrative, 
then I don't think kickers should be skipping the line ahead of other people who I think are more deserving just because of how much other positions contribute uh, to the field. Uh, with that, like I said, not trying to knock more than Anderson. Cause if right. kickers get in, then he should be in. But if we're going to do this first ballot thing, uh, how you letting him in and not letting some of these other guys in? That's kind of strange to me. Okay. What's your thoughts, Jeff? Um, you know, I like the Hall of Fame. I really do. Um, and, uh, you know, um, Morton Anderson, uh, probably the best NFL kicker um, in history. And uh, I think um, – is John Stenerud the only other – kicking specialist in the NFL Hall of Fame? Um, because I, there, I, I, there's guys like Luthito Groza, who also played offensive line, and there, you know, um, George Blanda played quarterback and kicked. Paul Hornig played running right. back and kicked. But, right. we, when, you know, when you talk about, you know, kickers and punters in the Hall of Fame, we're talking about specialists. Now, there's right. only one punter, punting specialist in the Hall of Fame, that's Ray Guy, right. and he was incredible. You know, I saw the end of his career. That guy was, you know, if it, I, I'm fine with one punting specialist in the Hall of Fame. And I guess, you know, Morton Anderson, he, he was top-notch. He, he, he was, you know, he made a very high percentage of his kicks. He made a lot of kicks. He made a lot of long ones. He was good on kickoffs. Um, he mentioned something that I forgot, that uh, he had a rough rookie season. So, uh, you know. Uh, it shows, you know, maybe you got to be patient with guys, especially young kickers. Uh, and uh, I, I think he might be the only player who is the leading uh, scorer of franchise history for two teams. I think he's the leading scorer in Saints history and uh, Falcons. Uh, and then, yes. Uh, yes, he is. you know, he like a lot of players, especially kickers, he bounced around a little late in his career. He only played one year for the Giants. Uh, that was 2001. That's when, you know, the Giants were like the Bermuda Triangle for special teams players, you know. <laughs> so yep, they, yep. I think they thought, well, we'll, we'll bring in the best. Uh, hopefully uh, Morton's got something left. And even at that point in his career, I heard guys talking about the Hall of Fame, and I thought, hey, he he might be that good. And then, uh, you know, uh, play with the Chiefs, uh, the Vikings, and then finished up back in Atlanta. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. And I, believe me, I don't think there's going to be a big run of kickers going into the Hall of Fame. I, the only one I could think maybe, and I just don't see it, um, was a guy who gets compared to him, uh, Gary Anderson. And uh, Anderson, the other, you know, Gary Anderson's played a long time, man, man. pretty much concurrent, and uh, he stuck around. And, and you know, he wasn't just a guy who put up numbers by stucking around. He 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 really put up some nice career numbers also. So, uh, but but I think Morton was, I think, more dominant. So, uh, you know, Gary might have to wait a while to get into the hall. So, you know, I'm He going to get in over Minnesota Viking fans' dead body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move they on forgot. to a guy. I'm sorry, go ahead, Nas. Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead. All right, let's go move on to a guy that came from Long Beach State, Georgia. Uh, I think now you know who I'm going to bring up here. Born, uh, 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 he played in uh, Long Beach State, North Georgia, I should say. Um, uh, born in '72, uh, the year I graduated from high school. Wow, 
<laughs> in California, I'm sorry. Uh, 5'11", 206, played for the Broncos for seven seasons, 78 games, was selected in the sixth round of the 1995 draft, rushed for 7,600 yards, 60 touchdowns, and in in just 78 career games. Three-time All-Pro selection, uh, uh, selected three to three pro bowls, named to the NFL's All-Decade team of the 1990s, uh, was the uh, Super Bowl MVP in Super Bowl 32, after rushing for 157 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, set NFL playoff records, seven straight 100-yard performances between 1997 and 1998 uh, postseasons, uh, scoring eight rushing touchdowns in 1997 playoff run. I'm talking about none other, just like you walk into the end zone to score a touchdown, TD Terrell Davis. What's your thoughts on Terrell Davis finally getting into the Hall of Fame? I, I, I can't recall how many times he was up. But he's finally getting into the, walking into the Hall of Fame. What's your thoughts, Jeff? And Nas? You know, uh, he's a guy. I guess you could compare him to uh, Gale Sayers, just because they had you know short careers, but they were dominant. And you know, I think they look at two things. Of course, you got to be a great player, but you got to put together a body of work. And unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, Terrell's career got cut short. And uh, I. Th- People used to say, and I, I was aware of this, it might have hurt uh, his, his uh, Hall of Fame case because after he got injured, the Broncos just kept pumping out, you know, running backs, you know. It seemed like every year after him they had another guy rushing for at least 1,000 yards. But, uh, you know, he, he, I mean, he, he broke 2,000 yards. And, uh, you know, I mean, 1,000 yards isn't what it used to be. You know, if a guy could stay healthy and start for 16 games, he doesn't have to be that dominant to put up 1,000 yards. But, you know, they had that great zone blocking system in Denver that just seemed to really uh, produce great running backs. And, uh, you know, know, I like to see him. Believe me, I wish his career would have lasted longer. But when he was uh, playing, he was uh, a heck of a player and, uh, you know, like a lot of these guys, you know, came in a uh, sixth-round draft pick, and, uh, you know, he got screwed over by his college coaches. And, uh, you know, I think people look, because of that, people might have looked at him, you know, like some kind of slacker or something without even knowing the guy. Well, nobody's calling him that now. So uh, congratulations to him. What's your thoughts on us? TD? Yeah, the same. Uh, congrats uh, to TD, man, and, Honestly, I think what hurt him the most was he didn't have some kind of tragic injury uh, that killed his career. We got to see the decline, and when you see the decline, you can start to, you know, add add that to your memories of the person as opposed to going off. Like, if you're doing eye tests with Terrell Davis at his best, yes, he would be one of the best running backs you ever saw. The burst, mm-hmm. uh, the ability to shed tackles, he was perfect for that, you know, that one-cut system. And, you know, Jeff's point is, is well stated, too, that, Mike Anderson and all those guys, man, they was pulling dudes off the street after he left, and they were getting a thousand yards, but yep. they weren't getting dominant seasons like you know, fifteen touchdowns, fifteen hundred yards, things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, you know, there's there's a reality to that point, uh, but I think that's why he kind of had to wait a little bit before he got in. But I think he's an all-time great. I don't think I don't think many people would doubt that at his best, he was an all-time great. 
right, this guy, born in 1959 out of Virginia. This guy, um, I like. I've never been a a Seahawk fan, but this guy, I, I like to see the way he played. My God, I like the way he played. Um, he come from the University of UCLA. Now we have Morton Anderson out of the fourth round. We had TD out of the sixth round. Believe it or not, this guy was the drafted fourth overall by the Seahawks in the 1981 draft. Defensive player of the year, AFC defensive player of the year in 1983. Defensive player of the year in 1984 after recording a league high and career best 10 interceptions, including a pair of pick sixes. All pro four, four straight seasons from 82 to 85. Named to five Pro Bowls, 1983 to 86 and 88. Member of the NFL's all-decade team of the 1980s. Intercepted multiple passes in each of the seven NFL seasons. Led team in interceptions four times, 82, 83, 84, 87. 32 interceptions, 538 yards, and three touchdowns. Also had eight career sacks and returned 26 punts. For 302 yards, I'm talking about the none other heavy hitter, intimidator, Kenny Easley. Talk to me, Nas. Yeah, man, uh, the numbers speak for, themselves, speak for themselves. And another thing we got to think about with uh, defensive backs is guys like this who create different uh, ideas to look for tendencies within an offense and different moves you can make uh, out of a uh, def- particular defense. This is how it happens. It happens – you know, with the great safeties uh, like Ed Reed and people like that who come up with something, and then it starts being taught in coaching circles, and before you know it, that's a normal defensive adjustment. But that's what happens with great defensive backs, man. They are the ones who figure out the chessboard, and, you know, the game tape lives on, and everybody else kind of adapts to it. So, uh, yeah, man, I, and, I, and I got a soft spot for defensive backs. I think they're some of the best athletes in the world who aren't looked at in that way when mm-hmm. it takes all the intelligence and speed and skill and everything else, instincts, all of that, to really play at a high level. So, yeah, man, I'm definitely for it. Talk to me, Jeff, and then I'll bring it on. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I was a real young dude uh, when Easley's career started. I'll never forget, he and Ronnie Lott came into the league at the same time. Both from the Big Ten. I mean, uh, Pac. I'm sorry, no, Pac-12. Now, God, I'm I'm all over mm-hmm. the place. Um, right. But uh, uh, fortunately for Ronnie Lott, he got to play a lot of years. Um, easily, big time playmaker at safety, and now a lot of every team is looking for a big playmaker at safety. Well, Easily was, you know, big hitter, tackler, intercepted, you name it, and. Uh, he probably wouldn't have had to wait so long if he would have stayed healthy, but he was a great enough player to deserve the honor. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's nice to know he's not forgotten, and I'm sure he appreciates it. So congrats to him. All right, well, I want to bring in another guy Let's get his opinion. You all know who he is. Uh, Victor, how you doing, man? Really? Is, is that the intro I get? Seriously? Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the FSP Cruise Show proudly presents its oh, God. You know, you know, it's yeah, me, okay. It's me. It's 
Mr. Talk to me about Kenny Easley. To you. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to Kenny Easley because this is the way he plays. To you and accept no substitute. That would include JTJ Money. Now, listen, Ronnie Lott himself, because I'm glad you brought that up, Ronnie Lott himself um, did a vignette uh, talking about Kenny Easley, uh, about why he deserved to be in the Hall of Fame and, and what type of player he was. When you have someone, as Jeff said, that's in the same class as, as far as, um, you know, getting drafted and stuff like that, saying these things about you, who's already a Hall of Famer, you have to be pretty pretty good, right? Uh, I believe Nas had mentioned he's a well-rounded uh, player. Back then, you didn't have the thinking defensive back. You had the hitter, the Jack Tatums of the world, people that want to cripple you. Um, when you have a ball hawk, as they call him now, uh, safety, uh, that can also hit, you, you think, okay, well, I got a special player. So that's why you look at, at, at a player like um, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle's never going to make the, pro, uh, the Hall of Fame. He's not. Eric Weddle can track the ball, but Eric Weddle's not a hitter. He's not a decleater. Some people say, why hasn't John Lynch made the Hall of Fame yet? Well, John Lynch was an intimidator and a hitter. He might make it on the fact that playing free safety, he hit like a strong safety, but he didn't have that intangible like Kenny Easley or, or uh, um, uh, uh, who's the dude from the Ravens with Je- uh, Reed and some others. Um, good player. I'm going to tell you right now, I've only seen highlights because in 82, I believe I was six. And uh, the first ever football game I ever saw or football play I ever saw was John Riggins going up the sideline beating the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl. So I don't even remember mm-hmm. what year that was. I think that was 81. Oh, oh my God. In 82, let me tell you, let me, let me, let me, let me say this. In 82, I heard my, I had my third child. <laughs> hey, listen, in, 80, in 82, early. I had my third child. Hey, hey, good for you. Bully for you. I mean, <laughs> all of us are for mystery. That's, 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 wow. In 82, you, oh my, okay. Okay, okay. No problem. No problem. Anyway, no, let's, let, yeah, no, no, let's move you. on. Let's move on. Now, I can understand it, but I don't understand it. I get the next two guys I'm going to talk about. Um, I don't think their time should have been this year, but it is. So, got to talk about him. He's an owner. President, general manager, born in uh, L.A., California, uh, took over the, uh, a, a storied franchise, uh, America's team, so-called, in 1989, won three titles. Uh, now, he, now, I have to give it to him. He's an innovator. He's, he's a visionary. Um, he, he, he has a lot of uh, his leadership in sports and marketing and promotion has influenced the landscape of the NFL and American sports culture. First one, like I said, in history to win three Super Bowls in first years, first seven years of ownership. Um, America's team. Uh, and but but. I don't think his time should have been this time, but he is. 
And who do I want to? You know what? I, I gave to him, to him last. Now I'm going to give him to him first because he's been hating on Facebook about this team. So I'm going to give him his first dibs on talking about Jerry Jones being inducted as uh, a, a person going into the Hall of Fame. Talk to me, Vic. Then then uh, Nod, then Jeff. Uh, if you're expecting hate on this one, you're not going to get it. I hate okay. his team. I really okay. hate his team. Now, okay. I'm a two-time hater award winner. But Jerry Jones, for all of his braggadocious behavior and all of his bravado, um, he's the owner I would want as a football player. A contributor to the NFL, you know, owners aren't just owners because they're billionaires. They're supposedly owners because they can contribute to uh, the uplifting of the NFL in some way, shape, or form. He's an oil man, so he had plenty of money. But he has also been part of the innovators of uh, the NFL from the time he jumped in. Now, he stole some of Vince McMahon's gimmicks from the XFL as far as the film, uh, the, the on-field camera and some other things, and he proposed it to the NFL, and the NFL you know, said, okay, yeah, let's use it because it, it was good for the XFL. But he is an owner that actually legitimately takes care of his players on and off the field. When he took over for the uh, the Cowboys, he had a whole bunch of druggies. He knew it. He even, you know, tried to take care of them as far as their their uh, medical issues, their um, criminal issues, their court cases, and he has not given up on them. You know, he has people in place to take care of these folks if they want to get taken care of or if they're willing to help. Um, the type of passion he shows for the uh, Cowboys is the type of passion I would love to see for the Redskins, you know, but that's not going to happen. Jerry Jones has been a, a good part of the NFL for from the standpoint of um, business and um, player, uh, uh, I guess, the father figure player type deal. Because a lot of these guys that come from these broken homes and play in the NFL that are Cowboys, they look to him as a father because he legitimately cares about, I guess, his star players, not so much like the luckies that get falsely accused of robbing and then cuts them. But, you know, other than that, I think he deserves to be in. Not before Jack King Cook, but he did, so whatever. That's it. Are you drinking something right now? I'm waiting for Jeff. Oh, oh. Yeah, I was sorry. Uh, you didn't say my name. Uh, I didn't want to speak out of turn. You know, um, it's all right. Uh, you know, uh, you got to give credit where credit's due. And uh, Jerry Jones has been very influential off the field. And, uh, I'll tell you, you know, when he when he took over the Cowboys, they were losing. Hard to imagine, but they had stumbled and they had been losing a ton of money. And he uh, he turned that franchise around and he built a powerhouse. And I didn't like the salary cap, but the best thing about it was it helped dismantle the Cowboys because if it wasn't <laughs> for that cap, they might have won another uh, Super Bowl or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you know, if that's the price they got to pay to uh, keep the labor peace, then so be it. Um, 
but yeah, he and you know, I mean, yeah, he's uh, a very wealthy man, obviously from oil, but uh, uh, he's a self-made wealthy man. You know, he he didn't inherit it. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, he, uh, you know, he has a lot of pull. Uh, behind the scenes, and uh, he helped grow the league revenues, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he's uh, he's very sharp, so uh, you know, uh, you know, he probably does deserve it. So uh, you know, uh, there might be a guy or two ahead of him, maybe, but yeah, you know, he he's in the right place. Talk to me, Nas. Yeah, I'm in agreement with the two guys, man. I think you definitely got to let Jerry in. Uh, the innovations, as far as figuring out new revenue. Uh, growing the game as far as really getting out there and making it, you know, playing into the archetype of what we think of big oil guy with way too much money of how he would act. Like Jerry really plays into that role well. And a lot of people try to, you know, come off that way, but they're just not able to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of that guy in Washington, you know what I mean? There are some billionaires who are just Hater. not going to be likable. Jerry Jones Hater. is able to pull that off. Uh, the biggest, the biggest thing I give him is paying for two thirds of his stadium. Uh, the fact that he didn't go the the way of putting that on the taxpayers and finding right. a way uh, to get the welfare stadium, he didn't do that. He took the cost right. on, so he has you know some higher prices than other people do. But hell, if you pay for it and you're taking the risk, man, you got to get that dude all the respect. Uh, the yep. father figure thing, I really can't swallow, man. Look, if you're a somewhat decent person, you're going to have attachments to people you meet and work with throughout your life, and you're going to care about the outcomes with those people because they also represent your brand. So if you got people who are doing really bad after retirement and that's scattered all over the country, then you as a franchise don't look well. So not only the up-and-coming players, but, you know, just to see it in a police blotter for your fans as guys just start to spiral downward you know, it's not a good thing. So, yeah, I think Jerry should be involved in that. But I think that's just common decency. Uh, and I don't believe in that whole father figure, coach, father figure, owner stuff. I think that's something uh, people would like to believe. And sometimes players will play into it uh, to seek advantage and, and to get kind of get, get some spoils from the owner or the head coach. But I don't think that's nowhere near close to reality. Father figures are the people you grew up with, the people who actually contributed to your life before you even became an adult. So I, I, that's the one point I would throw away. Okay. Can I rebut that? Can I rebut that? I need to rebut that. Well, calm down. Calm down. Cowboys. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Victor. Before you rebut that, I want you to take a breath and then go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, breath is over. Okay. I can go agree. Ahead. I can agree that yes, the father figure is a person that you grow up with and da 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 da. But some of these gentlemen didn't use the father figures that they had in their lives uh, to make it through to the next level and be the type of player or uh, adult that they needed to be. Uh, prime example, Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin's a prime example of that. And for all of the things that he had, um, and the guy that was there for him all the time, other than Troy Aikman in the courtroom, was Jerry Jones. And I agree with Nas on the fact that they represent your brand, so if they're doing stuff and on the bottle report uh, all over the country, which they still are now anyway, um, they represent your brand, and you want to take care of them. But at the same time, there are a lot of teams that don't do that and a lot of owners that don't do that. And they don't care about you after they've used you for what they're using you for. And, again, I am not a Cowboy 
uh, explainer or defender. I can't stand them. They suck. Um, but the owner, he, he deserves this honor. Um, again, there are some owners that I think should go in before him, but it's okay. I'll deal with the stinking star and live my life on. Rise up. Rise up. Okay. That's the kind of Okay. Time. Now, this this next guy I have a problem with. Uh, I don't know if you can I, – I, I consider him an accumulator, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he deserves a first ballot. I think he needed to wait a couple of years if – if that's the case, whatever, because there's other guys that I think that have been waiting that are a lot more deserving than a guy out of Akron who's six six two sixty, played for the Dolphins, the Redskins, and the Jets for 15 set seasons and 233 games, drafted in the third round, 73rd overall in the Miami, for the Miami Dolphins in the 1997 NFL draft, uh, voted to the Pro Bowl six. Uh, six times, named first team all pro in 2000, 2002, and 2006. All AFC four times in 2000, 2002, 2004, and 2006. Um, recorded more sacks than any player in NFL from 2006. I'm excuse me, from 2000 to 2011. Has 139 and a half sacks, eight interceptions, 410 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, league record tying 29 opponents. Fumbles recovered, NFL record six t- touchdowns on fumble recoveries, and three safeties. Uh, and uh, um, but, and, and, and I have to say this: a but, I'm talking about Jason Taylor. I'm not saying he's not Hall of Fame worthy. I'm saying first ballot to me. He's got my last name, but I say no way. Talk to me, Victor. Then. Nas and then um, Jeff. I mean, classic hate. You can say that's your hateration uh, uh, nomination award for hater of the year. Uh, listen, Jason Taylor, I agree, is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not. I mean, we can look at people like Bubba Hightower from Police Academy. <laughs> I think he did a lot more than. In, well, as far as being a destructive force than mm-hmm. Jason Taylor, but but um, the speed factor and the uh, nice guy that he is or was, whatever the case may be, played a role in, in this, I believe. Um, the fact that Jason Taylor, you mentioned it, he holds several records in the NFL from the defensive end position. I mean, literally, to me, he was a linebacker with his hand down in the ground. Literally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he is better than, you know, some folks. Like, honestly, I would put Dexter Manley in before him. That's not my bias. I'm just saying <laughs> Dexter Manley was that much of a force that had he didn't, not had his drug problem, he probably would have been considered an uh, uh, um, Hall of Famer. I equate Jason Taylor to Charles Mann, and and that, that's the truth. Very similar, very similar. Um, but again, I've seen better players 
at his position, but because he holds the records and he's a good guy, and maybe they were like, well, we got some other defensive ends that need to get in, and he's deserving, but if we wait forever, he's not going to make it. So I think that's why he got in. Jeff? You know, I guess um, Jason Taylor going in on the first ballot, which I don't usually get hung up on that, just goes to illustrate how important, uh, you know, sacks are, you know, in in the modern game. Because if you can get the sacks, you know, you don't even have to play to run, you know. Uh, uh, You also, you know, he made a lot of big plays, uh, fumble recoveries, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if, uh, you know, Terrell Owens wasn't such a jerk, he'd be going into the Hall of Fame this time around. But, you know, uh, I think – But it's not a popularity uh, contest. Right, right. But I think a lot of the guys who decide this, you know, the members, they they, they don't like T.O. They don't want him in. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jason Taylor's a lot more likable. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm fine with it. And uh, I remember uh, Dexter Manley's rookie year. I remember him. They had him covering punts. And he destroyed the Giants one of the times they played. And it's a shame that he got his life and career um, sidetracked with the drugs because that guy was a phenomenal player when his career began. But then, you know, he uh, he had a lot of problems, unfortunately. Nas, talk to me. Give me a case. Yeah, man. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, th- this is the problem with the whole first ballot, you know, second ballot and all that stuff. Uh, we got writers and people who have a vote uh, with way more power than they should have, being way mm-hmm. too emotional and yep. trying to, you know, leverage their relationships in the form of power. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. oh, that guy who wouldn't give me an interview or blew me off, uh, I can punish him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, T.O. should be in, and I think Jason Taylor should be in, but, you know, like you guys said, they're complete opposites. Jason Taylor got along with everybody. If you didn't like Jason Taylor, people said, what's wrong with you? Uh right. But coming around that edge, getting those strip sacks, picking up those fumbles. And actually, he wasn't bad on the run either. He would stretch out uh, run plays to his side. And he's kind of a victim of he and Zach Thomas being great players who didn't have great uh, success as far as advancing far in the playoffs. And that kind of diminishes uh, how we look at him. If he had been on a different team, we'd probably look at him in a totally different way. But yeah, he was that hybrid uh, guy that you put on the de- uh, on the defensive line, and he really changed the game. Tackles had a lot of problems dealing with that dude. And if I could just say, you know, just to kind of clarify from the last point, man, like understand what the other gentleman was saying about Michael Irvin and, and situations like that. But for that person to make it to the NFL to even be on Jerry Jones's radar, there are a lot of people who were influential in their lives who steered them away from things and held them at least. Uh, you know, in some type of way to where they could be successful uh, before they got to the league. So, like I said, that father figure thing, man, it's a whole lot of liberal hand-wringing when they start talking about uh, being a father figure and uh, some, a missionary aspect to it. That's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of off-putting to me. Okay. All right. This guy is, is definitely, I mean, he was a – gold in fantasy for the years that he was in the league. He was gold for his team for the time he was in the league. He played 11 seasons. Um, 
2001 to 2009 for the Chargers in, when they were in San Diego, 2010, 2011 for the Jets. First round, fifth player overall taken in the 2001 NFL draft. 1,236 yards and 10, 10 touchdowns, plus 59 receptions for 367 yards in his rookie season. Eclipsed 1,600 yards in back-to-back seasons in 2002 and 2003. Rushed for 1,000 yards in each of his first eight seasons. Scored 10 or much more rushing touchdowns each of his nine seasons with the Chargers. Captured back-to-back rushing titles in 2006 and 2007. I can go on and on. 2006 most valuable player was league-leading and career high 1,815 yards and 28 touchdowns and added 56 catches for 508 yards um, and 31 touchdowns to set an NFL record with 31 touchdowns and 186 points in a season. Hauled in 100 receptions in 2003, set NFL record with rushing touchdowns in 18 straight games from 2004 to 2005. All-Pro four straight seasons in 2004 and 2007, named Chargers Most Valuable Player five times, voted to Pro Bowl five times over a six-year span, rushed for over 13,000 yards on 331, over 3,100 carries, and scored 145 rushing touchdowns. And he added, check this out, I, I, I'm looking at these stats and I can't believe it. He added 4,772 yards on 624 catches and 17 receptions as a running back and also threw seven touchdown passes and NFL's all-decade team for the 2000s. I'm talking none other than LT uh, out of TCU, 5'10", 221 pounds. Talk to me, Nas, uh, about LaDainian Thomas. Yeah, this is how damn good you got to be to even be allowed to have a nickname LT. Uh, yep. you know, and everybody be okay with it. Like everybody was like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll let him be called on. See, it's all right. Yep. Uh, he was dominant, man. He was he was fun to watch too because he just had this this style of kind of freezing everybody and then taking off again, and people just couldn't really deal with his change of direction. And he ran hard, man. He was not easy to bring down. And those touchdowns that he did pass for, uh, I can remember the the good days of Chris Berman before we all hated him, where him and Tom would kind of be breaking it down. But he caused mm-hmm. the defense to collapse so thoroughly that those passes were easy for him. But, yeah, man, LT is an all-time great. And dude just had buzzers luck, man. Uh, he happened to be on a team during that Patriot era where they were really dominant and they had some really bad breaks and not advancing and getting to a Super Bowl. And uh, the one down moment, I, I, would, I would say, is him sitting on that sideline with his helmet on while Phillip Rivers was gutting it out with, uh, you know, a torn ACL, I think it was. Like, that's mm-hmm. the only real bad moment I could think of for LT. But besides that, man, handles himself well. Uh, is doing good in his broadcasting career. Salute that dude. Talk to me, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. I mean, uh, he uh, he was in the top five uh, at, for scrimmage yards for seven years in a row. I mean, and, and you know, talking about fantasy, which is, you know, somewhat relevant – if you had him in uh, his MVP season, you had to be a moron not to win your league or at least uh, make the <laughs> yeah. playoffs because, yep. you know, the people were changing their drafts because of him. You know, 
I'm serious. They, they, yeah. you know, people were doing stuff like, uh, uh, I forget what they call it, but just because that's how dominant he was, uh, you know, they were changing PPR rules, and, you know, then people said, oh, let, let's do only a half a point PPR for the running backs instead of a full point, you know, for the wide receivers and the tight ends. And, you know, I'll tell you, as as a person, as a man, I'll tell you, it's hard to find someone more polite, more respectful, um, more humble, humble. than yeah. Ladanian. And, and, you know, it's funny because I'm a, you know, I grew up a big Giant fan. I, I just... I always wanted him to be LD, you know? It's like, because there's only, well, I guess there's two LDs. It's one thing. At least it's not like a Giant fan could say, oh, the other LT is a scrub. Hey, they're both all-time greats, and they're both where they belong in Canton. Talk to me, Victor. Um, There's not much you can say about LT, uh, but I want you to get a little perspective on this one. He was a T.C. Horn Frog, right? And uh, Michael Vick was a Virginia Tech Hokie. Let's think about where LT would have landed had that trade not happened. Where would he have gone if San Diego did not find a trading partner with Atlanta? Would he have had uh, the career he had? Would he have had a better career? Because he would have had, you know, uh, better opportunities. Um, so you have a number one overall pick who's a legend as far as changing the game as a quarterback. Uh, not really because you had people ahead of him that did it. Then you had a guy, just like Jeff said, who actually caused PPR uh, uh, to be one of the most popular ways to play fantasy football. And I know that doesn't count for the NFL. But think about it. Barry Sanders was there, right? But he was good for the long runs and the, and the shimmies and all that stuff. But LaDainian Tomlinson is one of those guys that you say once-in-a-lifetime or once-in-a-generation type running back. He could run. He could catch. He could block. Three-tool player. And he played on a team that was primarily – a uh, pass-happy team. Lorenzo mm-hmm. Neal, Lorenzo Neal actually is part of the reason why he's in the NFL, I mean, in the Hall of Fame. Yep. The blocks Lorenzo Neal made for him on that piss-poor line, because you got to remember, their team was set up for the pass first. Even though, you know, Marty Schottenheimer loved to run the ball with LT, when he let Drew Brees go and let Philly Rivers start throwing the ball, LT was, you know, still getting his man. Even when he went to the, you know, Jerry's other team, the Jets, he did okay. I mean, literally, literally. But Damian Thompson uh, deserves this opportunity um, because of the way he changed uh, – Overall football For the fan and for the NFL Um, Two running backs In one class I don't know about that But I I guess you'll you'll get get To that But LT was a very deserving uh, 
recipient of this. I really believe uh, he was that big of a deal, especially considering who he got traded for to right. land in San Diego. Yep, you're right. All right. Now, we've had Morton Anderson, who was drafted in the fourth round. TD was drafted in the sixth round. Kenny Easley was uh, drafted in the first round. Uh, Jason Taylor was drafted in the third round. And we just talked about LaDainian Thomason. He was drafted first, uh, I mean, the fifth uh, in, in the uh, first round. Let's talk about a guy from northern Iowa who played for the Rams from 1998 to 2003, for the Giants one year in 2004, for the Cardinals 2005 to 2009, total of 12 seasons, 124 games, that wasn't drafted in the NFL. Originally signed and then released by the Green Bay Packers in 1994, Went on to play in the Arena League with Iowa Barnstormers from 1995 to 1997. Returned to the NFL with, with the Rams as a free agent and allocated to NFL Europe's Amsterdam Admirals. Excuse me. Returned to the Rams in 1998 and went on to become a two-time NFL MVP in 1999 and 2001. Named Super Bowl uh, 34 MVP after leading the Rams to a victory over the Tennessee Titans, 23-16, uh, to 16, set a Super Bowl record with 414 passing yards, recorded another MVP season two years later when he guided Rams back to the Super Bowl. His season totals include a league-leading and career-high 4,830 yards and 36 touchdowns to post a 101-4 passer rating. He made... Uh, a third trek to the Super Bowl in 2008 when he led the Arizona Cardinals to a franchise's first division title since 1975 and first ever Super Bowl appearance. Only quarterback to throw for 300 or more yards in three Super Bowls, a four-time Pro Bowl choice, led NFL in average game per attempt three times, had higher passer rating, and led NFL in TD passes twice. I'm talking about none other with the Brady Bunch um, at, by his side with his spiked haircut wearing wife. If anybody saw her on NFL Network last night, uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. She is her own person. That's guaranteed. She fits in no mold but her own. Talk about none other than Kurt Warner. Talk to me, Jeff, Vic, and then Nas about Kurt Warner and his ride to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I like Kurt Warner. I always have. You know, I'm partial to guys who played in the Arena League. Uh, someone like Warner shows why you need leagues like the Arena League because he played at a one double A school, um, Northern Iowa, and he only started for one year there. So, uh, you know, he wasn't really he wasn't on the draft radars. Um, I wish it would have worked out better for him with the Giants, but he knew his role, and his stock was down at the end of his run in St. Louis. So they were bringing him to keep the seat warm for Eli and mentor Eli a little bit. So, uh, you know, he's Warner, great at the quick drop, quick release. That guy, super at that. And he was one of uh, 
a dying breed, the pocket passer, because, you know, Warner couldn't outrun anybody. But uh, he hung tough in the pocket. He's a big, big quarterback, but he took his lumps, you know. And, uh, you know, I remember a lot of big plays he made, especially in St. Louis. You know, he, he held on to the ball and, and took hits, but boom. He, he uh, you know, found his man downfield for big, big plays. And uh, my favorite Warner story was when uh, he was playing in NFL Europe. Uh, the other quarterback for the Amsterdam Admirals was uh, uh, Jake DeLome. So uh, at the time, uh, DeLome was a backup for the Saints. So DeLome, you know, would uh, call up his, uh, you know, family in, uh, you know, back in uh, Louisiana. And they'd say, hey, you know. Hey, you're an NFL quarterback. How come uh, you're not starting in the NFL Europe? And he says, "You don't understand. This Kurt Warner guy's really good." <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, so Delome knew before the rest of the world. All right, talk to me, Victor. Um, really easy. I, I, there's a a high V or HV, whatever it's called, up the street from me. And um, he's that guy that all of us semi-pro players want to be. Him and uh, Swan, if y'all remember Swan back in the day, drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, uh, defensive lineman, Eric Swan. Yeah. You know, he, mm-hmm. this guy, Kurt Warner, is that guy to the everyday player like myself who didn't have a college football team but played semi-pro football. Um, he actually made it to a different level, didn't give up on his dream. You know, Mooch cut him from the Green Bay Packers, brought him in as a camp arm, and let him go. Um, his story alone, his story alone is, is, a, is a film that needs to be yep. made. Um, yep. and, and, and a player that a lot of people have not talked about but was just as important as Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, and Marshall Fault, Ricky Pro. Ricky Pro, yep. Ricky Pro, after leaving the Arizona Cardinals, uh, you know, going wherever he went, and then came to the to the Rams. He was that third down guy that Kurt Warner went to a lot. He was their tight end in the Greatest Show on Turf. Um, even though he was a wide receiver. I don't know if he's going to mention him in his, his uh, speech or whatever, but when you have the type of talent that Kurt Warner had and the uh, desire to be great, you're, you're, going, you're going to have positive outcomes. A coach like Dick Vermeil, who's sensitive or whatever, but believes in you, when he, that coach believes in you after a freak accident to Trent Green, you know, that, that speaks volumes about the person. And then his ability showed up on the field. You know, uh, he got hit a lot. Offensive line wasn't the best. But when you have Orlando Pace covering your backside, three stellar receivers or two stellar and one above average receiver and one of the best running backs in the game, you're going you're gonna to get your numbers. You're going to be Hall of Fame worthy uh, at some point if you do all the right things. And uh, he took two teams to the Super Bowl, two different teams, the Cardinals and the Rams. Took the Rams twice. 
Lost one. Um, and again, a guy bagging groceries at the high V, who didn't give up on his dream, and his eccentric wife, and I believe there's seven adopted kids. Yep. You know, that's a made-for-TV movie, and and some good stuff. I believe he he's deserving of it. And he's gonna thank God a lot, and he's gonna tithe a lot. So get ready for that. That's all I got. Talk to me, Nas. Kurt Warner, hell of a hell of a, yeah. hell of a quarterback. Yeah, man. And let me piggyback on what he just said to end it. Uh, like, I'm not a religious person, but all people who aren't religious think about the negative things that religion has brought to the world. What they don't understand, for the most part, is only religion can give you the type of conviction and the idea that you can still make it despite all odds when you're talking about somebody like in Kurt Warner's position. Like, to be at the lowest of lows like that dude was and still believe that he needs to throw every day and he needs to keep watching tape because the chance is really going to come. Like, there's so many chances where he could have walked away and become some kind of guy working in, the, you know, you know, a corporate office somewhere because, you know, hey, I tried it. It didn't work out. And then you're talking about you're married too, so the pressure of being a provider – and that dude kept rocking and rolling with it. And think about this. Only an undrafted guy would a team let some, some, some scheme as irresponsible as Mike March was as, as, as how much a quarterback gets hit. <laughs> They're like, you don't let no number one pick get hit like that with what Mike March was coming up with. But Kurt Warner was out there, man, staring him down. And we've got to remember that Super Bowl win, that hit he took on the chin. Uh, which would now get you suspended, fined, ejected, and everything else uh, to throw that bomb to seal that game. Like, that dude always stood in the line of fire to his detriment physically, you know, later on. But mm-hmm. then after that, he pulls himself off the ground again. And uh, when he went to New York and he had problems with his thumb and he had problems with the weather, he goes indoors, puts on some gloves, and takes them to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah, man, Kurt Warner's an all-time great. Uh, His story is sappy, so some people just don't like him. Uh, He doesn't really have a personality like that uh, for a lot of people to like. But, man, you got to give that dude his credit, man, for what he did, what he faced, what he overcame. And he could throw a hell of a ball, too, man. Just remember how precise that dude was and throwing that stuff out there. So, yeah, man, the great Kurt Warner, he should be in. Faith, I like what you said because I agree with you 110% about the faith. A lot of people. They give up on it and go back to the block. His faith brought him through with his wife and her faith. So I agree with you 100% on that. Sorry, Jerry. It's all right. Okay. Um, we got about a minute or so left in the, in the air. Um, Unless you change the time again. No, I'm not going to change the time. We've been here for an hour. I'm not going to change the time. We're going to go, go, we're gonna go over a little bit, but that's fine. Uh, tune in next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we'll be back here again on Thursday night talking about some more football. Um, this is the start off of the preseason. Uh, football, like I said, when I came in earlier, is back. It's back and live in living color, and you won't, you won't not see any football until the end of uh, the, the uh, last game, which is the Super Bowl, and that's in February. So from now on, there's going to be live football somewhere from week to week. So the football fans were very happy to see their team or other teams. The fantasy football fans, players, I should say, are happy because now, now they get to scout who they may pick up in later rounds, who they like and who they don't like. And uh, guys that 
may not be on the radar uh, before the preseason started are going to get on the radar. Um, going to light up the, the uh, preseason uh, games throughout until the first game starts. So this is an exciting part of the football season when the preseason starts and highly anticipated. You already got um, quarterbacks hurt, uh, wide receivers hurt, uh, and, and uh, linemen hurt, important linemen for, for certain teams that are hurt, or even guys that are retiring unexpectedly, linemen that are retiring, that are going to affect um, how the games are going to be played for each team, whether real time or fantasy. So this is an exciting time for football fans of all types. I'm going to lay it out there for the three gentlemen I have sitting on the line before I close out this show show to give their uh, parting remarks, starting with the man from um, the South and working my way up uh, with COVID Nas. We'll go out Midwest to uh, Victor, and then we'll end it up on the East Coast with Jeff. Talk to me, Nas. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, right now I'm ready. I'm happy that football is coming back. We're kind of in that slow period uh, right before everything kicks off. Uh, but when it does, everybody's going to hit the ground running, the fantasy football, uh, watching the games and everything else. But uh, the one thing uh, that I'm really not looking forward to is about week five, week six, when the Thursday night games and some of the matchups kind of cause me to slow down a little bit. So I do this every year. I gorge on football early, and then I start picking the games that I watch as the season progresses. But, uh, yeah, we want to see who pans out, uh, who, what rookies are actually going to be contributors, uh, who's close to the end. And then, you know, the question always is, every year is going to be from now on, uh, when does it happen to Tom Brady? Uh, yep. When Peyton Manning turned into a regular dude as opposed to Superman, it's just overnight because the speed of the game catches up to you eventually and we just see guys fall off. What running back can't hit the hole anymore? Uh, the burst is gone, and now that guy's getting 2.5 yards a carry. Like, all of that is going to happen along with the new stars who come out and we say, wow, I didn't know this dude was going to rush for 1,000 yards, or I didn't know this receiver was going to catch, a, you know, 100 balls. Like, we're going to see all of that. So, uh, you know, we all love football, man. So, hopefully uh, the game doesn't disappoint this year. And I don't think it will. Okay. All right, Victor, you out there in Kansas, Dorothy, talk to me. Why well, I gotta be Dorothy? But it's okay. Um, I'm I'm a junkie, and I will admit it. Fan is short for fanatic. I am a fanatic when it comes to football, fantasy football, and things of that nature. Um, I love watching football. I love getting ready to watch football. The only thing I hate about football is it happens on a Sunday. That means I go to work on Monday. Um, for what? Nine months or seven months out of the year, I, I get to enjoy a sport that is extremely violent, um, but I know a lot about and have coached. Um, and it, it, to me, there's nothing better in sports than watching a really good football game, defensive game, uh, Really high offensive game. Um, but for those of you out there looking to join a league, come see me or JT. We have several fantasy leagues. I would love to take your money. 
And yes, I draft Cowboys, even though I hate them. I'm smart. It's a business. Come into your pockets. The doors of the church are open, and we're passing around the offering plate about four or five times. Are you done? this church. Are you done? Almost. 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 I got to say something for Jeff. Got to say something for Jeff. Um, But bottom line is, if you don't like football and you like football, we need to have a little discussion because both sports are great. It's just my football is better than your football. That's all I got, JT. Talk to me, Jeff. Well, um, I think I'm going to say something on a personal note um, for uh, uh, Jerry and Vic. Um, That ESPN league uh, that we were in, I haven't heard anything. Is that league done? I uh, emailed the commissioner a few times, never got back. Uh, Is... uh, let me uh, you know, let me let me let me put let me uh, put something out there see if I I get a response from I usually I usually do so I'll I'll let you know Jeff. Uh, I, I mean uh, you know I mean if it's done it's done but I mean come on you know how about a little communication and at this point you know you should have reached reached out I mean I emailed the dude at least twice and uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, you know you gotta. You got to make uh, you got to schedule your draft because a lot of cats are in uh, multiple leagues, you know. Yep, I understand that. We'll see. I'll let, I'll let you know. Um, see if he responds. Um, I'll let you know. Let me put it that way. Um, I don't I don't know why what's going on. So uh, it could be anything. So I'll I'll let you know. Uh, is that all you got, Jeff? Yeah, and just uh, uh, tune in next week. Same bad place, same bad time. Okay. With that being said, um, I'm not going to play any music. I'm just going to say thank you for, to Nas, for Victor, and for always my, my esteemed co-host, Jeff. Uh, I am JT, a.k.a. Master. This is the uh, FSP Cruise Show. Uh, see you next week. Same bat channel. And uh, we're out of here. See ya.